0: in the navy yes you can sail the seven seas in the navy yes you can put your mind at ease in the navy come on
1: people fill and make a stand in the navy the navy can't you see we need a hand welcome to the bloom naughty podcast thank you robert for that beautiful beautiful introduction to this week's episode it was splendid golf claps all around it was wonderful. I am I don't your host. Paid enough for this. <laughs> I'm your host, Nathan Bond. Alongside me, the always talented, always beautiful Seth Barnardor, and the lyrical genius that is Robert Steege. Hey guys, how we
0: doing? Good. Doing great. Now that I'm getting, now that I had to look up the village people. Well, you know. And uh, what maybe. you signed up for? Yeah, it's
1: true. I'm almost positive.
0: That contract was very long, so <laughs> I'm sure it was in it's, it's in the middle.
1: <laughs> it's in the middle somewhere. Don't worry about it. Don't read it. Um yeah, so we're we're here, another game week. Probably. And uh how, how was everyone's weekend, Steve? What'd you do this weekend? I know we, we were at weddings last weekend. Can we top that this weekend? Or um, two weeks ago?
0: Yeah, potentially. I mean, th- so this past weekend, I um so I'm moving out of this apartment. Uh, that I currently live, and I'm I'm down in St. Pete. Um, I I live too close to Drag Race Central uh, over here on Gandhi Boulevard, so need a little bit more peace and quiet. Uh, moving up to Tampa, uh, toured a few places, found a place that was absolutely perfect at a steal of a deal price. So probably going to be moving here in the next couple of weeks. Um, thankfully, nothing's nothing important happens in the next you know two months or anything like that. So it was a uh, it was a good productive weekend. I'd say good.
1: And what's the address and where can people find you? <laughs> um, I'm probably going to end up putting that on. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to
0: bleed it out okay. uh, one mm-hmm. of these days. So okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to really hit the ground running with my social security, my address. Perfect. Um, perfect. You know, normal Mother's numbers. maiden name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <First childhood> pet. <laughs> street <laughs> that I lived <laughs> on <down> growing
1: up. <laughs> Seth, uh, you, you must have had a jam-packed weekend with the, with football and the Masters in the middle of uh, November. I mean, how, how'd you deal?
2: Yeah, it was good. I watched uh, a lot of football. I actually didn't watch as much Masters as I thought, especially because uh, Dustin Johnson kind of ran away with it. So mm. Saturday, I just went out, actually got out and played a little golf on Saturday instead of watching it. Uh, but they played in the morning, so I kind of got the gist of what was going to happen. But it, it was a good weekend. Pretty non-productive. but Where would you play? Uh, um, little course down here. Legacy. It's it's not bad. It's all right. What'd you shoot? Oh, we we played. Uh, we were just playing the best ball. I was trying out a head of a one iron. I'm trying to work in. So we were just kind of hitting the ball and playing best ball. Didn't play
1: very well, but
2: I uh, didn't keep score. Mm.
1: Fair enough. That's what I tell myself when I get up. When I break the hundred, too. Well, I mean I kept scoring the first two holes. I was like, Yeah, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna work on my game a little bit. Yeah. You had uh you had Tiger's experience on sixteen, uh first two holes, and you're like, ah, I think we're all right. It wasn't it wasn't that bad. But it could I mean it, it could have been, but it wasn't it wasn't quite that bad. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I had I had a pretty nice weekend. Saturday Olivia had soccer and it's like clicking for her and she's like maybe the best one there right now, which is really nice. She can dribble with her head up. She's scoring goals. She's got a wicked left foot. So I'm I'm excited to see how she progresses in soccer. She loves it right now. So hopefully uh, she can make me proud and she'll have multiple uh, national teams that she can, she can play for. She can play for the U S she can play for Ireland. She can play for Northern Ireland and she can play for England. So the, the possibilities are endless use that passport to go play in England? Yeah, I mean, right. she's she's, ha- she's half Irish, right? So, and technically, Northern Ireland is a British territory, so you get that as well. And then uh, you can also play uh, at, for the Republic of Ireland if you are Irish, so. It's a, the EU passport, she can play in the Premier League. Really. I mean, that's that's the goal. Next, uh, Abby Wambach right here. Yeah. She's got the hype for it, for sure. And then uh, we went to Bass Pro on Saturday um, and they have uh, Saturday after soccer, they have um, you know Santa, They have the meeting Santa thing and they have a reservation system set up and we had a time and it was like for one fifteen. and we got there at like one o'clock making sure that we had plenty of time and they just let us right in because no one else was there. It was wonderful. I remember standing in that same line two years ago and, for like two hours. So it was did they like, have a partition up? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you basically, like, the, the kid sits on the bench, and then there's, like, a plexiglass shield, and then Santa's wearing a mask, and, like, no one else is really around. But she liked it, enjoyed it, got, yeah. eat, got a candy cane, rode the America around, saw the fish, and then we were out of there in, like, 30 minutes. Took us longer. So she, so she didn't years. freak her, it didn't weed her out or anything? No, no. Um, she has been kind of understanding what's been going on. Like, yeah. You know, like, Like, why can't I go to Bush Gardens? Yeah, and that you man, that's that's the thing I think I miss the most. Taking her on like Sunday nights and just wearing her out, (laughs) and just putting like just putting her to bed at like you know eight eight thirty, and she doesn't wake up until like nine the next day. Now she's up at like six. No matter what time you put her to sleep, it's awful. It's awful, Mm -hmm. but. I digress. We've got a, a jam-packed show here, guys. Um, I'm just looking at the notes, and here I think I think these are the most notes I've typed out for a podcast. Um, just because I wanted to make sure that I didn't forget any injuries or anything else that's kind of cropped up over the last 72 hours since USF has played a game. You know, let's just kind of jump into it. All of the injuries. Let me just kind of run down everything that that's uh, happened over the last week. Uh, head coach, Jeff Scott reported on Tuesday that KJ sales will miss the rest of the season with a knee injury. He doesn't need surgery, but he's going to be out for four to five weeks. So that takes out his, uh, his, uh, season there, uh, as well as Kevin Kegler out for the year scheduled for surgery on Thursday. Then Blake green is also out this week, uh, as per Jeff Scott, um, Possibility he's back for the Central Florida game next week on Black Friday. We'll we'll really see, but I mean, dang, those are some huge uh, misses. And then the hits just keep on coming. Antonio Greer and Demaris Bellamy are questionable for this week. So those are your, your starting Mike linebacker and uh, a rotational linebacker. That's why you saw a lot of Andrew Mims, Umer, and Brian Norris in there uh, against Houston this week, this past week. Um quarterback Travis Marsh has started practicing again. He got uh, he got just absolutely destroyed on uh uh I guess they called it an interception. Or it was, it was either a scoop scoop and score that never really touched the ground. Um he got he got flattened, hurt his ribs, he's throwing and practicing again. Kate Fortin uh still can't throw the ball. Um Jeff Scott said on Tuesday, if if Cade came into the game, then every other quarterback that they brought was hurt. And all he could do was hand the ball off. Cade was, he, he made the travel roster and travel with the team because they had open spots and coach asked him if he wanted to, you know, come for support reasons. And Cade said yes and dressed out, but, uh, it's unlikely we see him again this year, outside possibility for next week. Uh, no updates on why no Johnson, Uh, missed the game. Um, Some speculation, there are some reports out there that uh, he's not going to play the rest of the year uh, due to contact tracing. The the AAC, they have pretty stringent rules on contact tracing, and we'll kind of get into that uh, as we hit the depth issue and what the hell's going on with COVID. Joquez Evans has a wrist injury, and he actually had a death in the family this past week. Uh, so he's not going to be available for the running backs and, or, you know, potentially moving back to quarterback if things kind of fall apart uh, thoughts go out to him and his family. But yeah, so guys, just a bunch of injuries and we haven't even gotten to the fun stuff. Just, you know, Jeff Scott said, you know, post game, you know, they were one injury away coming into the week or positive tests from having to cancel the game. And I think for, Four players got hurt this past week, so you got a net. You need a net positive of five to come back to really kind of have a shot to play. It's uh, you know we're recording Tuesday night. We'll see what happens uh, the rest of the week, uh, and that just kind of leads us into the depth issues that have plagued this team, um, you know, skill and talent wise, and then just bodies wise now at this point. So, man just got said on Tuesday 64 players practiced. Seth, you coached high school football. Did mm-hmm. when I know high school football you can you can have those number numbers can dwindle real quick. I mean, how how tough is it to have a, a legitimate practice with, you know, I mean, high school level like 30 30 40 guys or, you know, 64 when you're playing at college at playing at the college level.
2: Yeah, that's just, um that's difficult, especially because how many of those sixty-four are like offensive linemen that you know aren't, aren't going to be able to like fill in in a bunch of different places. But yeah, for reference, is normally like one hundred and twenty is what you can practice with, I think. Uh, one fifteen. One fifteen. Yeah. So yeah, so <laughs> it's quite a bit of a reduction, and uh, yeah, it's hard. It, it, anytime you start to dip numbers and lose depth and practice, it just limits what you can do. I believe he said today they're having to do a lot of just walk through and not very much good on good stuff just because of just for fear of, you know, that increased uh, intensity level may lead to an injury. And if somebody else gets hurt, then may have to call off the game. It's kind of what was uh, implied. But yeah, any, anytime you can't. Do a full practice. It's going to hurt you. Now, at this point of the year against Navy, it may, it could be a blessing in disguise for to have a little bit more walk through time just to kind of. But you're not, you're not. Then the other side of it you're not getting the same kind of speed uh, from your scout team if you're having to run the kickers out there as your skill guys. So it's well, maybe, maybe Schrader, but (laughs) but (laughs) for the other ones, probably not quite as fast. So you're, you're you're losing some of that. You you might get some good mental reps, but you're you're losing kind of that physical
1: um, sharpness, right? It, man, and that that 64 number you you've got to realize that 64 includes long snappers, kickers, punters, plus guys who have transferred and/or have academic issues hang, cannot play. So realistically, the true number you're kind of working with is like. Fifty-five to fifty-eight, maybe. And uh, yeah, you're you're down to two corners after KJ Sales' injury. DaQuan uh, Evans and Mike Hampton, and uh, Makyla Point, Bentley Sanders, and uh, Chris Townsell, uh at your safety position. Still got a bunch of guys out. It's unclear about the guys who missed at Memphis if they're going to be able to play if they've. A lot of it has was COVID related. Have they cycled out of quarantine, and then there's like a three to five day window where they have to like kind of get back into it, and they have to be like monitored uh, by the medical staff to make sure there's no lingering side effects, um, heart wise, breathing wise, what have you, as they start to practice. So, I mean, it's we're cutting it really close if we're going to have guys ready for this week possibly get a bunch of guys back next week for black friday but uh, for this week it doesn't really help you've i mean you've got two gas dressing out on the scout team your kickers are on the scout team just you don't have the bodies Um, it does give some
2: good context for uh, a little bit more context to the end of the memphis game it does. I think I think that's kind of uh it's it's helpful now to see this. Oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Now what right. are you saying about them getting tired and wearing them out? It makes a lot more sense now that you see that this is kind of what the real depth was. Uh and it was a little bit better there, but not by a lot.
1: Right. And I mean I mean this defense got worn out too again in that fourth quarter. Uh, against houston but it, it really showed its head uh, against memphis right and jeff Scott said on monday on his radio show they had they practiced with 16 defensive scholarship players on monday 16
2: well that's what i what there's a point during the houston game i'm seeing somebody out there i'm like is that i don't think i've ever seen this person before Cody. Um, Cody he yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was number 31. I would have recognized that hair if I'd right. seen
1: him before. He, uh, he actually traveled to Memphis. So he, he's gotten some, you know, away game reps. I don't think he actually got into the Memphis game, maybe on special teams, but good God, man. They started, Jeff Scott said they started with 40 defensive scholarship players. That's not great. And this is why we we've kind of harped on this season. Like, This season doesn't matter, guys. We got the the win out of the way. We're not going to go winless. Take this as a full-year practice run for next year and the year after. It's fine getting these guys reps. It's fine. Take the losses so harshly. It's out of Jeff Scott's hands at this point. When you only have 16 defensive scholarship players, there's only so much you can do and execute and prepare right? It's not Michael Kelly's fault. It's this is just how it is. And I'm seeing, I mean, the fans, some, some of the insane fans have kind of really gone the other way. And uh, I, I've seen a couple people just uh, tweet at me, fire Jeff Scott. It's over. What are you doing? It, you trot out 16 defensive players and see what happens. 16 scholarship defensive players and see if the results are any different. Like,
2: this. especially if you look at how the college football is played now, you see, like especially on defenses, guys are making subs, especially up front, all the time. Like two or three times a drive, it's a long drive. They're making subs. I believe just Scott said today they have two defensive tackles, like two. That's it. No more. They you can't be so. They ain't gonna be subbed out. So like when you hear that kind of stuff, it just really limits what you can do, and it kind of can limit what you can do schematically too, because you're having to play guys that. Uh, you know, some of them, you know, you've never thought they'd be playing and probably others that, you know, this week in practice is the first time they've ever been off the scout team. So how much of the, you know, how much of the stuff do they know at game speed? It just right. makes things a lot more difficult in ways you don't even think about.
1: Right. And it, it's, it's so tough. And one of those healthy defensive tackles is Kelvin Pickney and he's dealing with an injury of his own. He's kind of just muscled through because he kind of needs to, and he understands that, well, if I go down, I'm just leaving one guy alone. Uh, I think it's Rashawn Yates, just flapping in the wind by himself, and he, he's doing everything to make sure he's ready for Saturday. But good, I mean, again, this is tough, and I don't think Jeff Scott imagined you know, traveling 71 players last week at Houston, and about 14 of them were walk-ons. And then you're so you, you travel seventy one, one of them's Cade Fortin, so you're actually down to seven. Uh down to seventy, excuse me. And then you fourteen or so are walk-ons. One of them's a walk on quarterback. You got the long snappers. I mean you're down it's
2: to gotten, it's kind so bad. They got the walk they got walk-ons on the unavailableness that comes out
1: before the game. See it's it's <laughs> so bad. It's Brock Perry made the trip. He could can you guys tell me what position he placed? Uh deep into back. Nope, Receiver, really. Offensive lineman. No. Fuck. <laughs> Brock the Jesus. Rock Perry. That's, that's just how bad it's been. And, and no disrespect to Brock Perry, but why is a uh, walk-on offensive lineman making the trip? COVID. All right. You start you, – I was thinking about it today. You start with 115 guys, right, prior to camp. Seven guys opt out right off the bat. I think 10 guys have transferred. So you're down to 98. You're down at 98 guys just off the jump. Then injuries start to pile up and then COVID piles up. And now you're down what another 32, 34 guys. I mean, you're seeing the results on the field here and to, to their credit, they're not giving up. They're still playing. It's just, they've got nothing left in the tank. And which is why Billy Atterbury's comments Saturday about Taquan Evans, which is just, Ridiculous to do was a human turnstile for two years. And he's commenting on effort from someone who's playing special teams, all of the defensive snaps at corner, and still is managing to make plays. There's, so much needed, there's some much needed context missing.
2: It's like, I don't, I, I'm, I'm
0: imagining he wasn't watching the game. He probably just saw the Sports Center highlight and was like, oh ho, ho, ho. I was the scapegoat for a couple seasons. Now someone else is going to be the scapegoat.
1: Uh, I. I think the game just kind of passed him and sacked the quarterback again, so it's just it's infuriating you can't you can't like clearly Billy Aberry, a much better athlete than all of us on this here podcast, <laughs> but you can't be that trash, and they call out one of the better players on the team because he didn't show effort on a punt return when he's played a hundred percent of the snaps that defensively and on special teams. You can't do it you you cannot do that, all right. You just it, it'd be like Adam Morrison calling out Kobe Bryant in the middle of their title run when they were on the same team. He was like, "Yeah, I, I mean, Kobe missed like three game winners. I don't know what's going on with him. He sucks. You need to show effort, more effort. Like, chill, guy." Sorry, that was I I've had I had to get that off my chest. It was just, just so infuriating to to see. Getting back on track. Here, here, here's the question before we get into the Houston recap. That's going to affect the Navy the rest of the year at what point is enough enough like when do you when do you th- are we nearing the point where like guys we're 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 so depleted there's i worry about hurting our team going into the future because long-term injuries you know you wear these guys out more injuries or you're more susceptible to injury so at what point is enough enough and you know, set in your time have, have you seen where it's kind of like teetered on where oh man this is getting really bad you know at the high school level college level like uh, we may need to throw in the towel here
2: I, the high school is a little different just because i've never been around something this like bad it's like where i like, got the college level we were never like it was never that. we were D two school we had a we had a lot more guys at 64 practicing but in high school you'll get that sometimes I, I remember i coached the jv team we had 19 guys on the team we just had to go play. I mean, that's just how it was. If you if you guys want to have a JV season, you know, we had I think we had more than that, but we had guys out with injuries. Nineteen guys. We have a bunch of guys had to play both ways. But those games are also a lot shorter than a college game. It's not, and it's a lot different. You can't just have guys a bunch of guys go both ways. It's it's. I think you are getting close to that threshold of all right. There's too many guys for these guys are going to have to play too much. I think, but I think they're also doing they're doing a good job of keeping the players health and safety in mind first i think they're doing a pretty good job of keeping that a priority and they're going to so if it does become an issue where they think it's unsustainable i think they're going to pull the plug for the game or whatever i don't think this is a i don't think this is a staff or a athletic that's going to really push the envelope too much in a negative fashion so I think if they're playing, or th- it may be something where they feel like they're going to get a few guys out of that contact tracing by the end of the week. But today they, or you know, they may only had sixty four out there today. But maybe tomorrow and and Thursday it'll be clo- it'll be back up closer to eighty. But you know, I think the SEC the number is fifty three. That if you have under fifty three, you can't play. Yeah, it's- so they're still. Yeah, so they're still, um, they're probably close to that. But if they get some guys back, they'd be over. And that's just one conference's threshold. So, um, but they're probably getting pretty close to that 53 scholarship
1: number. Funny you bring that up, because I I reached out to the conference today. I did some reporting.
0: We do reporting here.
1: Yeah, that's, that's some, some of us, some some of us do. Um, and I, I got this from the uh, communications director at Chuck Sullivan, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Um from the conference. Uh, there's not a designated number of available student athletes that automatically triggers the postponement or cancellation of a game. Their medical advisory group looks at each contest contest on its own and makes a recommendation to the commissioner based on testing data. Ultimately, the the decision to play or not play rests with the presidents of the participating teams the conference oversight more has more to do with how such a situation would be rescheduled and or counted for standing purposes. So unlike the sec, there's not a minimum scholarship threshold for the AAC. So again, you could have 50 guys, I guess, if you really want to push it and you know, half of them are walk-ons and you could still technically play this game. Um, I think it would be very unsafe to do so. (laughs) I think we're getting on to the point where it's very unsafe to do so right now, especially when you only have two corners and, you know, luckily you'll kind of get away with it this week because you're playing Navy. But if you're with, with two corners next week against UCF, you're, you're bringing on a world of hurt that you don't need. Right. So, and you've, Michael Kelly, Dr. Steve Corral, Jeff Scott, they've got to make a decision here. Okay. If we can get through this week, how many guys are we getting back? All right. And they've got to assume, I think you, I think you have to safely assume to get an accurate number that there are going to be injuries this week. Okay. So you've got to be able to, okay. Johnny Ford, whoever missed the Memphis game, they should be back. But how many people are missing? How many more people are going to be missing? to get a get an accurate number and I, it's it's really teetering when I I mean 64 guys that's See, I, that
2: just that number makes me think they're getting a lot back the next couple of days because that number is so low. you would think if it was going to be that for the game that this may already have been canceled. That's the only thing that gives me a little pause because he didn't talk about this into the game he kind of said today this is what we had to practice. I don't think he said that's you know we're going to have sixty five guys going into kickoff you know did he I don't think he did I think no. he just kind of referenced what today so I'm that would just lead me to assume that either uh, this game gets canceled <laughs> soon or that they've got some guys coming back maybe tomorrow and Thursday that they're going to kind of just fast track in and be like hey you and by back I mean gone through all the kind of testing all that kind of stuff back where they could be full participants not just off the. Not just like rolled out of contact tracing or right. Uh and back where you can be participants because that that may be part of it too. They may have had guys that couldn't practice today, but maybe tomorrow they can
1: practice. Um, right. But again, that's just all conjecture. Right. I did I did see Johnny Ford post something on Instagram that uh, it was. I mean, it was pretty funny. It was like uh, Johnny Johnny Ford inmate blah 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 uh, release date November eighteenth. So maybe he gets to practice tomorrow or, you know, Wednesday, uh from whenever you guys hear this and, you know, more people come back, but geez, man, it, it if they don't get reinforcements here soon, it, you don't want to go into next week with two corners. That would be,
2: uh,
0: <laughs> you call it off. If you have two corners, like straight up. <laughs> you got a
1: lot of, you got a
2: lot of, you got a lot of soft tissue injuries after this Navy game. Sorry guys.
0: Yeah. And it's me. a quick turnaround. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs>
1: Neil, what uh what kind of struck me as interesting, I think it was on Jeff Scott's uh radio show, um he said he was he was talking about the season, it was like, you know, whenever the season ends, whenever that is. And it made it seem like maybe maybe he kind of knows that there could be a possibility that these games get canceled because they don't have the bodies. And then it it also made me think, oh shit, maybe they're rescheduling FAU.
2: Hey, man, everybody's qualified for bowl games this year. I was about to say, you could push that gonna, back pretty he's far. He's the bowl game.
1: They're, gonna, they're going bowling in his first season. Oh, <laughs> yeah. This Put reminds like the me of, uh, man, I think it was two or three years ago when women's basketball just got decimated by injuries. And I think they had six, six or seven girls that they could trot out there reliably. And uh, it was after the AAC tournament they they made it to the semifinals, uh, but got bounced. And I think they made the NIT, and then uh, I think they got bounced though. But like prior to that, like I mean, how many more? I mean, NF Panacic was like averaging like thirty nine minutes a game. Like how much longer can you push push these girls to to their breaking point? But they played and got bounced. But it, it just really reminds me of that. Like they're very. Close to teetering on on the brink here, so we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, if any if any other news breaks uh, after this podcast post. We'll we'll have it uh, covered for you. Let's get into the Houston recap. I guess I mean context is king in this point, so I think a lot of our thoughts, you know, during immediately after the game, uh, kind of have a different perspective with. The the news this week, Houston still continues to be a house of horrors for USF between 2018 uh, a fight uh, and this year just uh, kind of getting ran out of the gym by Clayton Tune of all people, literally ran out of the gym. He he, he doubled his rushing total. Uh, Bentley Sanders said post game they didn't really expect a lot of quarterback runs and uh, should have watched <laughs> our preview. It should, brother. If you watched our preview last week, I highlighted the quarterback run game. It said they could break it out. Interesting. Almost like we are good at what we do.
2: It was surprisingly athletic. They didn't run him a bunch, but you could see he was an athlete, and they they had him run some zone read stuff in previous games, so I thought it could be something they do, uh, something he's capable of doing, and uh, they definitely broke it out last week.
1: Yep, um, just a kind of just a brutal day all around. Jordan McLeod got the start and was very ineffective for the parts that the game was competitive. Uh, Travis Marsh came in, had a couple good throws, then got hurt. Um, I think really the only highlight that I kind of want to discuss is Brian Batie and thirteen carries, eighty-six yards, had a long of thirty-one. The, the kids freaking electric and that the former staff told us that they, they love this kid and there's a reason why um, I know you're, you're kind of down in the neck of the woods at Sarasota area and yeah. know, know some people have you, did you hear about the T, you know, prior to him coming to USF and any, anything that's kind of happened? you know, postscript him coming here. I heard about him before he was at Sarasota. I'm not sure if it was his freshman and sophomore year or his
2: freshman year. Um, then he transferred to Braden River, which is a pretty good program down here, and ran for a ton of yards. Um, either his sophomore year, junior year, or his junior year, I think he ran for well over two thousand or something nuts. And then he he transferred back to Sarasota. I think his dad was coaching there, so he transferred back to Sarasota for his senior year. Um, but yeah, he was a kid that was putting up crazy numbers and was just super explosive. And you kind of you kind of just keeping up with the area of football and you know the local writers and stuff, you'd see. You know, but see three touchdowns, but see four touchdowns, but see eighty-five yard run. It was just, it was like every week, it was, there was something new with him. And he was, it was always big plays. And, and and this is a really good area for football with a lot of athleticism. So to be kind of that, kind of that much more athletic than some of the teams he was playing was pretty impressive. And then um, hearing how much the the last staff wanted him in recruiting and, and mm-hmm. thought he thought uh, he could come in and make an impact. I mean. There was definitely a lot of hype for him, and I'm glad to see him getting some reps because he was kind of buried a little bit towards the beginning of the year, but now he's starting to get his chance. and he, He's not only seen fast and explosive, but he runs really hard and breaks a lot of tackles for a guy his size. I know his dad is really into training and things like that, so he is a strong dude for his... He packs a lot of punch into that frame.
1: I think his dad's kind of yoked, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to see him kind of... Come to fruition in the skill sets here. Um, but, man, there's really nothing offensively. I, they they messed around with the offensive line. I think they went through three right tackles. I think they went through two right guards, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but I could be wrong on, the, on that. Um, I know Dustin Hall played a lot of right right guard, but I'm not sure if he got the start or not. Dustin that, Hall
2: is, is Stieg's, uh, Stieg's son. See how proud of him were you of this spouse?
0: I was, I was so proud. I why is he not the star offensive lineman that he deserves to be? It needs to be <laughs> him, him, Big Cecil, Brad or Big Brad Cecil the Diesel, and Dustin Hall just right next to each other, just pounding dudes on the offensive line. Yeah, so so it, says, fuck
1: it says uh that Dustin Hall started, but Michael Wakes did travel, so it seems like he may have been replaced, and you know, at this point of the season, trot out your young guys, and that's what they did toward the end of the game. Uh, Holden Willis got some run. Terrence Horn Kate got came back to life here, caught a couple passes. Chris Carter caught a pass. Xavier Weaver caught a pass. Sean Atkins caught two passes. So who uh, exactly? Big Sean Atkins. Sincere Brown had a couple targets. Just trot out everyone you got at this point. Um, yeah,
2: that that was my main takeaway after the game. If if you if you want to know my takeaways, I can be posting every Sunday. But my main one for the offense was hey, play the freshman, play the young guys, give them the ball. I want to see more, even with Ford back, if he's back, I want to see more Batis. I want to see more and Dollison. I don't know why he's not starting yet. I mean, I'm sure that'd be a reason, but he's a guy I'd like to he's a guy since game one I'd like I wanted to see more of. Um, and I've said as much here. You know, if you're looking for right tackle, throw out some of those young guys you've got. you got some guys that play tackle that give them some shots so they're not going to burn a red shirt. And then Sincere Brown, you know, let's see more of him. Uh, If Marshall's healthy, let's see more of him. Let's just keep throwing those young guys out. And also Latrell Williams, keep him out there. Give him some more touches too. Right. I think those are the guys you're looking to build off of. And those are the guys that, I mean, those guys have shown they can play and they have they bring something different. Than some of the upper classmen.
1: Yep, Bryce Miller led the team in targets with seven. He was uh, caught five for fifty three yards. Latrell Williams had two targets, caught one of them for twenty five, and Amara Dawson had three catches for twenty nine yards and a score on five targets. So let, let's let's get Latrell and, and Amarian up there to you know the seven eight nine ten area. I think you'll be all right. Those are definitely your your guys to work with. Uh, going forward, defensively, let's let's see. Rashawn Yates had a QB hit. That's pretty good. Darren Grant had a tackle. Cody Gentry had a tackle. Isaiah Cromartie had a tackle. Keon Helton had a tackle. Jaden Curry had a tackle. Stop me. Have, have I named someone that you guys don't know yet? Cremar- I mean, bef- I, before I, before I, the game, I, yeah. yeah. The Isaiah Cromartie. Yeah, Isaiah Cromartie. Cremar- Cremar- for sure.
0: Uh, is he? Sure would have gone, yeah. He's a walk-on. No, is, is he the son of? No, wait. Who is? Who's the? Who's the guy that fucks?
1: Antonio Cromartie. Antonio Camardi. Camar- 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 Different spelling, last name. <laughs> so me. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Andrew Mims was second on the team in tackles with six. Chris Townsend led the team with ten. Tack, uh, excuse me, eleven tackles, ten solo. I mean, you can really just kind of throw this, throw this game away. There's really nothing. They got beat, they didn't have they didn't have the numbers. It that happens, guys.
2: And and their depth is again another takeaway. Their depth is so thin that when one guy's out and they have to shuffle, it just it just hurts the entire defense. It's not as much as I can just, oh, he Rear's out, I'm just gonna plug this guy right in and nobody else has to change. I think when one guy's out, it changes a lot. It's a domino effect throughout the whole defense. And then that dominoes into special teams and makes them worse too. So the depth is just so paper thin. Hopefully, some guys get back. But if not, it's going to be a similar,
0: I, I would imagine it's going to be a similar outcome this week. Probably yeah. worse, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, with with <laughs> potentially one defensive tackle against a triple option team, where, I mean, I don't want to call the defensive tackle one of the more important pieces of this team going forward against Navy, but you. You need some you need some depth in defensive tackle to stop a triple option team that runs it effectively. I mean, maybe he's not great this year, but geez, with if if one guy twists it won't it be in when
1: the they're walk, the walk
0: ons knees out there with those cut blocks. also, yeah. if there's one thing one positive thing to take away from defensively from the game, four straight games with an interception, I think? Yeah, yes. Four straight games with an interception, two straight with a pick-six. Yeah, That's pretty positive. I mean, how many? Like, we didn't really produce any turnovers last year, so hey, improvement.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up turnovers. I did some investigating. Um, God, what a good segue! I should I have know, paid right? more. You honestly should. Um, so. Yeah, I was so. Just, I was just looking at uh, USF's you know, season stats. Uh, I think it was either earlier today or yesterday. And something that kind of stood out to me. And there's a theory that goes, usually, you know, fumbles usually regress back to the mean. There's a lot of fumble luck. A lot of fumble luck that kind of goes on uh, with some of this stuff. USF has lost 9 of 11 fumbles this year. That is a very, very, very high margin. All right. Last year, they lost nine of 19 uh, year before 10 of 15 and 17. They, they lost eight of 11. So it, it's really interesting. In Charlie Strong's three years, they fumbled 45 times and lost 27 of them. They lost about 60% of their, the fumbles, which that's quite a bit of fumbles to lose, right? Uh, in Taggart's four years, they fumbled 87 times and lost it 36, which is like a 41% clip, uh, which it seems about, I mean, fumble, I mean, oblong ball bounces weird. It's usually about a 50, 50 ball, right? It's 60% just is astronomical. And then kind of look at 20, 2020, I don't know if you want to kind of pin that on Charlie strong and his guys. And it's like, all right, they've got a fumbling issue, or that just like bad teams fumble more and the luck doesn't really go their way. I don't know how to really decipher that. Um, but I mean, just think about some of the fumbles. You have Noah Johnson holding the ball like a loaf of bread, <laughs> that's got nothing to do with Charlie Strong. right? You know, that the right tackle, uh, giving up a couple of yeah. sacks <laughs> that might <laughs> that, that could be. <laughs> Uh the mesh mm. being bad. Amaro Dawson uh getting drilled. Um on the kicker yeah, I Yeah. I, and I then there's John Floor got drilled on one two. Yep. And then there's the the infamous uh two lane fumble where Darnell Solomon catches the ball and it just flies into the air twenty feet and then comes back down for a two-lane player in twenty eighteen. Then basically that happened uh, for Jordan McLeod this year where he makes a spin move and the ball just pops out and goes 20 feet in the air and they, I think it's ECU or Tulsa recovers it. I mean, it's... This is not a team that's gotten a lot of bounces their way this no. year. You no. Know, it seems like good teams usually have all the luck and I think maybe this is more of an indication than anything that fumble luck usually tends to favor the, the good teams. So I, I just thought that was interesting. Uh, and then up- only, they've only caused or recovered three on defense. Right. And they, they've caused 10 and only recovered three. And that kind of leads to the, you know, good teams get good bounces. And that is kind of interesting to look at. What I found fascinating was Taggart's defenses in 2013, 14, and 15 caused tw- at least 20 fumbles each year defensively.
2: I wonder how that correlates to having a
1: good pass rush, and and they recovered almost all of them.
2: Did they have did they have good pass rushers? Oh yeah,
1: oh uh, uh, yeah. Twenty fifteen was really good, but that was actually their worst year recovering fumbles.
2: Yeah. I wonder if the, I wonder if there's any correlation because this team has no pass rush, so you're not getting any of those hits on the quarterback from the blind side or right. any of those where you're getting your hand in when he's trying to throw. You're not getting any of those kind of fumbles really it's just interesting.
1: Yeah. 2013, 2014, when you know, the team was two and 10 and then four and eight defensively, both years, they recovered 14 of 22 fumbles. Uh, I mean, it, it was just really fascinating. And then 2015, 2016, when they're actually good, 2015, they recovered eight of 20 and then 2016, they recovered 11 of 17. So it's just, it was fascinating. that kind of, kind of jumped out at me like, man, it, it, some, some fumble luck just has not gone USF's way this year. Uh, offensively, defensively, I thought that was a, a bit interesting, but alas, we move on again. Uh, just don't take anything away from last week. Don't take anything away from this week. It's gonna be interesting. Defensively, against Houston, they were Houston was only five of twelve on third down. That's a that's a good start. Unfortunately, they rushed the ball for over three hundred yards and averaged five point two yards over their season average on the ground. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's fine. All right, guys, uh, that's enough Houston. Let's, let's jump into this Navy game. It's going to be on national TV, uh, ESPNU at eight o'clock on Saturday night. I hate the late start, uh, just for my own purposes. Cause I, I won't be back home until like two o'clock in the morning, which is less than ideal. But here we are, uh, right now, it looks like the, the spreads, what, two and a half, uh, for Navy. Maybe he's like giving up two and a half over under is 55. I, I would put quite a bit of money on Navy, a quite a bit of money. Just do the fact it's a numbers game at, at this point, right? Um, they're, they're three and four. They've, they've beaten ECU, they've beaten temple. And then a, a couple of others that I apparently don't show up. They beat uh, Tulane. They came back and beat Tulane. If I'm not mistaken, They got ECU when the quarterback was out with the false positive. Right. Yep. So, hey, play the the hand you're dealt, I guess. And they've dealt with their own COVID situation here over the last couple of weeks. Navy was one of the the first teams to uh, institute a no-contact policy, you know, in fall camp, and we saw how that uh, reared its ugly head against BYU. Uh, where they lost the season opener, fifty-five to three, and they just were not physical at all. And Coach Ken uh, Miyamotalolo said as much, but they just weren't physical, so they started repping contact. And then they haven't they they've had two straight games postponed against Tulsa or versus Tulsa and uh, versus Memphis. So they haven't played a game since Halloween. They had up if they had to play that Memphis game last week, up to thirty guys would have been missing. Uh, and Coach Ken just. Nick's the, Nick's the idea of playing that, you know, the benefit is you you're getting some guys back that were hurt. Uh, they're getting some extra rest, but you're, you haven't had a live rep. I think they're going live on Wednesday for the first time, Wednesday or Tuesday. They either went live or they're going live this week for the first time. They've had some walkthroughs. They started doing walkthroughs last week. Uh, I think on Friday, socially distance it's it's going to be interesting to to see how they look physically will it even matter against this depleted USF roster will we will find out again they, they run the triple option they they triple optioned USF to death last year at at Navy where Seth and I had a wonderful time in Washington DC uh, it was lovely. It was lovely. I think if the game gets out of hand, I think I'm just going to start like reminiscing about that trip <laughs> and like posting pictures or something. That was just a fantastic trip. We uh, hung out with uh, our friend of the friend of the blog Cedric uh, for oh God most of the time. I had a wonderful night at the Capitals game. Uh, mm-hmm. Free food, free beer, free free soda, free ice cream. I- a hey, longer than thought walk. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was a brutal walk from uh, where where did we start? I don't know. <laughs> We're just like, yeah,
2: we'll, we'll walking. Bad choice.
1: Yeah. Oh, we started. I think we went and saw the White House and then walked to Capital One Arena, which is a very. Might have in Lincoln. It might have been Lincoln. Level. Lincoln. Oh, we may have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, fun trip though. I think, I think we, uh, we took a break in in front of a museum. (laughs) Like, "Eh, let's, let's pace ourselves here. It was was a good time though, but geez, triple option. They don't have Malcolm Perry. So that's, that's the plus their quarterback situation is fluid and slash not great. Dalen Morris has been the, the starting quarterback this year, been up and down, um, to put it kindly, I think, would be uh, a fair assessment. And I mean, I can't, they haven't practiced in, in two weeks due to COVID. We have nobody due to COVID. It, it's going to be a really interesting, uh, affair, uh, this weekend. How, how does this depleted defense try to stop this Navy offense from not just running the ball down your throat?
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the toughest part, I don't think anybody's really talking about this. There may be some people that are talking about one side of it, but the other side of it, I think is important. On one side, you have USF has played a triple option team this season. So they have an idea how they want to defend the triple option. So they have that. They have a game in the back pocket against a triple option team. But now Navy also has film of how they defend the triple option. So Navy can beat you a hundred different ways, but you basically kind of already showed them the one way you probably, because this isn't like they play this triple option all the time. You probably showed them the one way you know how to defend it. So they kind of know you're all your cards are on the table and now you're down depth. I think it's going to be really tough um, because Navy's going to have a really good idea. That's the thing. What's great about triple option is they have stuff that's kind of I guess segmented or kind of together, you know, the concepts that are kind of go along with each other. And some guys can go like, hey, all right, this is what we're running. This is how they're stopping it. This is what we should do. It's like bang, bang, bang. It's almost like an if then formula. Like you can make an Excel spreadsheet and call plays with it. How, that's how some reg- how regiment some of these triple guys can be. So if they already know how you're going to defend them before the game, that's going to be really tough. And then you add in the depth issues and it's going to be a tall task. So you're either going to have to switch up what you did. Or their guys resent to play out of their mind.
1: Yeah, I, and you know the, the one time I think that USF has effectively stopped that triple option was in twenty sixteen. But they had they they went with a bare front. They had uh, Dan Danny Iwalake kind of just be that anchor up front. And unfortunately, USF just doesn't have the bodies to even be an anchor. Like Danny Iwalake was like. Your are loogie. All right. Like he, he came in for this, like he, this was the reason why you have this guy on the, on the team to be your, your guy to anchor uh, the bare front. And now, you know, you're down with two defensive tackles, very undersized defensive ends, backup linebackers, two corners who are pretty small to begin with. So if you're, if you're getting those, uh, what are they called? Anchor blocks or whatever, like the, the wide blockouts from the arc. arc. Yeah. The arc blocks from the B backs to take out a, a corner, whoever, whoever's on the end there. I mean, as you mentioned, they can just, they can, if you, if then you to death and I, I have a feeling this may be a, a temporary get right game for, for Navy, just due to circumstance and not USF doing anything wrong at this point. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and how they play and how USF played Citadel is they would put, and it's how a lot of people, that's how you've seen a lot of people try to play. The triple is they'll put, a lot of people do it with a linebacker. They'll stack guys and close, they'll stack a linebacker behind another linebacker. USF was stacking their safety. I think it was Mikhail Lapointe behind the linebacker and just letting, or it might have been minutes so I'm not sure. They were just letting him run all over the field and make clinics. Well, with the depth being so poor, that's going to be a really tough job for that guy because he's going to have to run all over the field. He basically just let him go in the middle and run the ball. That guy's going to be dead. And if he has time a backup, Navy does like to throw the ball this, a lot more this year, I think. The, the quarterback actually wasn't a triple quarterback in high school. He was a spread quarterback. Uh, he's actually not great at the triple. He's not bad, but he's not, it's, it's not as well oiled as it's been in the past. There'll be times where he's got the pitch and he doesn't take it. And if he can take it, it'll be gone he would just, okay, I'm going to stick my head down and get the two yards from the first down instead of like a pitch out this guy. It's a touchdown. Uh, but he does throw a little bit better than the guys I've had in the past. So he makes it a little bit more throwing. And if they can get those defensive backs tired, remember, run all over the field, then maybe they bust the guy open. So it's, it's going to be a really tough task unless you get some reinforcements coming back on
1: defense. Steve, you're always into the weird offenses. What excites you about this Navy triple option?
0: Well, I, uh, it brings back fond memories of high school football, uh, more than anything. And on all honesty, if, if, if Ken, um, and I, I butcher his last time every, every single time, but if Ken really wants to just, Nio fuck you if he really yeah. just wants to fuck with us, just go, just go, uh, tight, double, double wing, and just, you only really need to call four plays the entire game, you know, pitch the out, pitch the left, pitch the right, pitch up the middle or a QB keep that's, that's all you really have to do uh, this with, with the lack of depth. If, if Yosef can't get at least 10 guys back on defense, I mean, call the game in the second quarter, because Navy's just going to control the time or control the clock. They're going to get out to like a, a, a two score lead. And it's impossible for USF to get back into the game at that point Um, with how effective that Navy can be. But I mean, it, it's, it's entertaining. I always look forward to watching army Navy every single year and, seeing these weird offenses just, you know, it's like a chess match. I really hope one of these days we can just bring back the swinging gate full time. Someone's got to do it. Why not? You know, just, why not just toss it out this week a few times, do a little, do a little swinging gate trick play for a, uh, for good old sake, but enjoy the game. Uh, it might be the last one of the year. That's all it'll be.
1: Couldn't say it better than myself. Uh, ran the triple in high school. It was always fun. Had a had a guy who went to Alderman run, uh, be the quarterback. It was really nice to see uh, when, when you get talent at high school level where you can run the triple and be really effective. It's always fun. Uh, Seth, did you guys ever run the triple at any of your stops or are you more? Oh, uh, we ran. I, no, I'm, I'm, I've am i always been more of a, uh, a passing
2: guy, but we ran some option stuff. Um, my brother's a big option lover, so. When I came out of my mini retirement to help him out, we ran some Veer, which is triple option stuff, but not with the flex bone. We did get to some of it the second year because we weren't very good. And and we had a lot of young guys. So we're like, all right, we'll make it really basic. We'll end up in one formation. and It's kind of a, it was the double wing. So Uh, A little bit, but I'm not, I'm not super well versed in it, but ran a little bit of it and do some of the concepts and stuff like that. But it's, uh, when it's working, it's one of the most fun ones to watch. I think even being a guy that doesn't love running it, but when it's working and it's on and it's just, it can't be stopped. It might be one of the most, it might be the most fun offense to watch.
1: Yeah. And I mean, everyone kind of knows my, my love for NCAA football, uh, the, the video game that was running the triple option was what I did. Yeah. I would have a couple shotgun packages in there for read options, but I would be a, a triple option guy from the flex bone 90% of the time. Uh, if I was feeling feisty, like I would, I would make like Alabama or the triple option or something like that. For some reason, like even when I was in Alabama, they would end up triple option a triple option team anyway. So you've got Alabama athletes running the triple option, which is just infuriating. So that game put
2: like the like put a real emphasis the last one on the on the option. And as you go through all the option teams become really good. Like because they, they did it so well that, like, even their computers is unbelievable at it. Yeah. And so, like, every year, Georgia Tech's up their Navy's up there a lot. I see <laughs> yep. Army crawl. That's, a, that's like an interesting quirk of that game. You go like 10 years into Dynasty, all the triple option
1: teams yeah. are really good. Yeah. And like, a lot of the, for some reason, like, they would run the triple option and they would run it hurry up. So you just, Mm. like, if they gain one yard, they're running hurry up. Like, that's just what the CPU would do. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you would have to make them lose yards on a play before they would, like, reset. And, like, you would have, like, all of your little, like, dots would be, like, dark red or, like, the punter would be your safety. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, that was rough. That was really rough to see. But it's, oh, it's so much fun. Like, a perfectly timed triple option where you don't have you don't give it to the fullback. The fullback gets blown up and you, you're able to pitch to the running back and it's just straight down the sideline for a 70-yard score. There's nothing more beautiful. Like I don't I don't care about 70-yard touchdown passes. Give me a perfectly executed pitch for a long game, and I'm here for it all day.
0: Easily the best team to run it with. Uh Michigan. Put Denard Robinson in that in that triple option, mm. and I swear every single time. I mean, if you if you run the Big Ten schedule, none of them, none of them I don't know what it was about the Big uh the Big Ten schools, none of them knew how to play defense against uh against a, a triple option. So basically, Denard Robinson's like wide, like running free every single play, and he had fucking stupid speed in that game too. Yeah. So I think one of the of that one of the Florida
2: years that they were good. You could have Tebow, and then your three backs would be like. Percy Harvin, Jeff Dimps and Chris Rainey. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I,
2: I, th- I think I, I hit that one online a couple of times. They were really, really... Because Timo was like, if nobody could tackle him. And everybody else was like 98 feet or high. Yeah. They were that, they were filthy. When did you put them in the flex
1: mode? Oh, man. Good game. need to bring it back. Name image name image likeness and then the game. Let's let's get it let's get it started. Uh, but, yes. to, but yeah, back back to real life here. How, assuming Noah Johnson can't play, how can USF? You know, it, it seems like the offensive side of the ball hasn't been really that affected, so you can still kind of gauge what they can can't do. How how does this USF offense start to? Uh, you know, he had the the starter stop with the the, the offense at versus uh, Memphis. How, how do you kind of get that back on track? Is it just honestly the the QB play has just been kind of dog shit for the entire year? And- I think that's I think that's kind of the
2: key because Memphis is, was Memphis had a bad defense and they were able to exploit them at times. Last week there were times where there were open guys and the quarterback just missed them, and then then it, then you start getting off the field on three plays, and then it just like starts to. It starts to kind of snowball on you a little bit. Um, But this week, you got a Navy team that is really bad by every metric on defense. Except third down, they're like 76, which is their best ranking on defense. Yards per play at ninth and garbage time, they're 113th. USF's 95th on defense. Uh, Available yards, they're giving up 62.2%, which is 117th. Uh, and then explosiveness rate, they're giving up 17.24% of plays explosive, which is 120th. They're bad on defense. So this is a game that if you're hoping to win, I think you're hoping for a shootout. And uh, you got I – th- I don't think they're nearly as athletic on defense as they were in the back end last year. So maybe if you can get some of the – because you've got some guys that have some explosiveness, you can get them matched up with their defensive backs and linebackers in space, and you can make some big explosive plays. And I think that's what you're going to need to do. You know, to, to get out in front of them early, make them take them out of their run game, take a little pre- bit of pressure off your defensive line, both of them, all two of them, and then, uh, then I think that's a, that's your recipe for winning. So the offense is going to have to win this, win the game this week, and and they
1: got a shot because Navy's defense is pretty poor. And that's that's what you're gonna you're gonna have to rely on that offense to mitigate any of those three and outs that kind of plagued usf uh, the last couple of weeks right especially with your defense being so depleted you need to extend drives um you know usf had two drives last week of 10 or more plays uh one ended with a fumble uh and then another ended with a touchdown 11 play eighty-three yard touchdown drive in the middle of the, that three score uh series there so you you can't have the you know four plays and Punt, three plays, punt, three plays, punt, one play, punt. Like you can't, you can't do that when your defense is this bad, and it just kind of exacerbated the situation uh, against Houston last week. And if there's more people out, I think we're going to see the same kind of thing. You, you need to out Navy Navy in that regard. Of it, just keep the drives alive. Just you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. Just you know, three, four yards. Just keep moving the ball forward and that's been an obvious struggle here uh if if Katravis marsh is healthy enough to play i think he may get the start here but you got to be able to string it together i mean i love his arm there's a throw last week that I was like oh, okay this guy this guy has it i think it was like a, a post route and it was on the money it, it but he needs to Get the freshman out of him in a little bit, and it, it's been unfortunate because every time he's played, he's gotten hurt. Uh, so it's really tough for him to kind of string that together. Hopefully, these last two weeks we can see something out of him because I, I think he may, you know, throw his hat into the ring of okay, I'm going to be the starter going forward here for the next four years. So let's let's get something going here. Man, maybe if if you can stop Navy from running the ball effectively, you're going to be a lot of success. Their four losses, they never crossed out. They didn't have a rusher of over 100 yards and their three wins. They did. So, that, that I mean, that's always going to be the linchpin here, but having one guy not beat you has been the key so far this year. I'm not excited for it. I think... I think it may be a pretty high-scoring affair just because of both defenses are trash and... Again, just be continue to be aggressive on offense, go for it. Just try to extend the drive. Again, just extend the drives, go for it, be aggressive, just lay it all out there with a caveat. If this game gets played, is there anything you guys want to kind of touch on uh, before we go to our favorite segment? The score first and they'll win the game. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. Let me get my handy dandy notebook ready for these predictions here. Um, Vito is still working, but he did send in his uh, prediction. So I'll just read it verbatim. If this game gets played, Navy 42 to 20, too many unknowns to make an educated prediction. Uh, Not that he's been making them all year anyway. No idea how staff can practice, let alone prepare with so many players missing this week. If the amount of unavailables is the same or more than last Saturday, I don't see how you can play the game just get out of the season as safely as possible and reset the evaluation wheel. Go Bulls. So, uh, we got Vito 42 20 Navy. All right. Perfect. Seth, what you got for me? I
2: think um let's go 41, no, let's go 38. Now, we'll go 41 to 28. 41 28. Let's
1: do that. Uh Navy. Okay.
2: Fair. Hmm. I feel like I'm thirty-eight to twenty-eight. Well, oh, it's alright. It's, all right. it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Navy's not that good. <laughs> Can I mend my score? Yeah, go ahead. Let's go uh, thirty-five to twenty-four.
1: Navy still. Navy still. Uh, let's see. What well, I think it may be a repeat of last year. I'm I'm thinking thirty-five to three. Thirty-five three Mem- uh excuse me, Memphis, uh Navy. All right, Steve, up to you, brother.
0: God, I hate this bit so much now. Um <laughs> God, it's like every week I try to come up with something funny that's like, oh ha, like revenge or oh ha, like this, but like it's this is just painful. Um USF has like what, like sixteen scholarship guys on different defense right now? Let's, uh, let's, let's do some fun math here. What's, uh, 55, um, USF wins like 55 to 39, the over-unders 55 and with 16 guys available, I just subtracted 16 points to get Navy's score. I like it.
2: (laughs) I got, I got, I got, I got another half of the prediction for you. Something else we can talk, we can try to predict.
0: How many possessions will USF have on offense? Total possessions. Do you want my real answer? Or do you want my funny ha answer? Real answer. How many
2: possessions do you think they'll have on offense? Five. That would be terrible.
0: It's possible. Because I think that you, like I think with the guys that USF has on defense, like they no one on that defense really quits. I have a feeling that maybe just going to do methodical drive after methodical drive. I don't maybe might get like a long breaking touchdown run like towards the end, but I have a really strange feeling that it's just going to be three yard, four yard, three yard, four yard, three yard, four yard, pretty much the entire way down the field for an entire quarter. And then USF punts uh, on a three and out to, to go back to that.
2: I, I was thinking like maybe eight, eight ish eight-ish drives, because I think if Navy might just methodically move the ball down the field and keep, and hold the ball for long, long periods of time. And then, like Nate said earlier, USF may want to do the same thing, hold the ball, kind of lengthen the game a little bit, keep right. the defense off the field. So I'm going to go with like eight possessions for USF. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's kind of the number I was like, <clears throat> kind of hovering at like seven or eight. Yeah. Oh, USF USF had 16 possessions uh, last week. So uh, half of that seems seems to be about right, uh, given the propensity of, of Navy to take their time. I will say we did nail the prediction uh, last week that, you know, Houston had trouble scoring on their opening possession. Boy, did they not have trouble last week. We absolutely it's, nailed that one, folks. It took him three plays. Yeah, and three plays, been, 76 yards, 54 <laughs> seconds, I think. I mean, incredible stuff.
2: I think if US, I think that's another thing. If USF has over 11 possessions, they win the game. How about that? How about that for a gauntlet throwing down the meatless like, gauntlet?
0: Like a 3 okay. 2 game. If
2: they, have 12, <laughs> if they have 12 or more possessions, they win. You would take
0: like these right? caveats.
2: I think it's going to be like nine. I think it's going to be like eight, the eight, nine, ten area. I think it's going yeah. to be there.
0: I think. Do so. you think we see a uh, if Johnny Ford comes back? Do you think we see a special team touchdown this week? Navy's really, really unathletic on their on their kickoff units.
2: Yeah, not, they are. They are not very. They're really. They really. And I have watched a little bit of them, but they've really taken a step down. They had some more, a lot more athleticism last year on defense, and they graduated some guys, and you know they've they've had injuries and opt outs and they've got too, yeah. I think so.
1: I recall not, there was a linebacker and a corner safety that was very very good last year for them. Number 1 I think was one yeah, I think he graduated. He was he was a really good
2: player. Yeah.
1: So Yeah, I I just, I, I don't feel good about this. I don't feel good. Uh, <laughs> like there's part of me that's like oh, don't play this game guys. Like it it does nothing for you. It can only hurt you. Going into next week, if you even play that game, I think I think the final question I have for you guys tonight before uh, I give you some men's basketball, women's basketball updates, give me the percent likelihood this game actually gets played. Seventy-five. It's too high, probably. But I'll go with that. I'll I'll be optimistic. Seventy-five
2: percent chance it gets played.
0: Uh, just based off of Jeff Scott today during the press conference he's either like really quietly, like confident this game is going to happen or he's like, yeah, this season's done. Like they'll play a bowl game just like, like a month from now. And that'll be it. And it's really hard to tell. Like if, if we were on like year two of, 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 a uh, chef Scott, I could probably make a prediction based off his demeanor at these press conferences, but I can't tell if he's just like, like stupid or if he's like really like down, down into it. I'm going to go <laughs> with like a 90% chance this game doesn't get played.
2: I just feel like if it. My the only reason I'm at 75 because it seems that. It's, don't you think they would have canceled it already? No. You don't think, you think they're going to no. string it out as long as possible?
1: Yeah, because the, the third game last week was canceled on a Tuesday. That was the earliest the conference had canceled the game so far oh. this year. Uh, so the cancellations usually happen Thursday or Friday.
0: I have a feeling they're going to test. So. I mean, obviously we won't know the results of the test, but testing tomorrow on Wednesdays, they'll probably get a pretty good indication of what, what is needed um, based off of like the three days you have left of the week. And if you get another ding or two here and there, uh, I think it probably gets called like, if it's not called by Wednesday at like 10 AM, it'll be called like Thursday evening at like five. Yeah, My that, educated that's guess. About
1: right. I think so they test early in the morning on Wednesday mornings, like when they first come in and I, don't think they get the results until either late Wednesday or early Thursday morning. So it, I don't, I would expect like maybe a lunchtime press break it, it, on Thursday. Maybe if the, if Thursday's zoom press conference happens, then I think we may get a clearer picture of what's kind of going on. Um, but we'll see. I, I think, it, I, I honestly think it's like 80, percent chance this game gets played just just because I it, yeah just because I, I think it, I think it's more than likely than not that it gets played but you know things can change in two days for sure I think that's it for for the football portion I got some men's basketball stuff so they're if you look on the online schedule the fir- their first game is uh November 28th uh, versus Rhode Island reached out to, to USF to get confirmation that that was the, the first game of the season. They have not finalized the schedule yet. They're hoping to get it finalized this week. Still unsure about fans in the stands still unsure about even having media in the yingling center. So it's going to be something to look forward or you know, look, look for, uh, in the coming days and, and probably the next week, I think the basketball season technically starts in like eight or nine days. So. We'll we'll have a clear picture probably by the end of the week, um, if not sooner. Uh, women's basketball definitely starts November 28th. So what's that? The Saturday after Thanksgiving? Something like that? Yeah, yep. so Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, they, they start their season, and we'll go from there. USF, I think they're going to win a conference. I think this seems really good. Jose Fernandez recruited his ass off. He had to replace, I think... I think he brought in five new players and I think there's going to be some people that uh, get some good run um, this year. Excited to see what uh, Beatrice Shortow does, you know, one year removed fully from her uh, leg injury. That kind of hampered her. Maria Alvarez who tore, I believe she tore ACL last year. She's kind of working her way back. Cindy Harvey's still there. Eliza Penzón still there. It's going to be a fun team. You're forgetting the most important player, Betty Wanooga. Oh, Yeah, Betty. I love Betty.
0: Uh, She Oh God, what's the name of
1: that award that she got nominated for. She's like top 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 power forward in the nation. Uh, Yeah, she averaged just under 10 points a game and averaged over 10 rebounds per game. Uh, Absolute monster on the glass. Uh, I think she shot over 50 percent in like 12 games last year or something like that from the field. Really, really good. Addition for Jose um, last year from from the junior college ranks, and she kind of proved her worth for sure. can just gonna be fun fun times all around for basketball. Hopefully, when the season gets played, if it gets played, and uh, if there's no lockdowns or you know a more a bigger spike than has already occurred. I guess uh, we'll see. We'll see We'll see what it takes. Um,
2: Do you think they'll wait to see what happens with the NBA before they start playing games or they're just going to start playing? Because I know that's what some conferences did for football. They waited to see how the NFL did it first and then played. NBA starts December
1: 22nd. I think. Right. Um, yeah. I think the drafts this week. I think it's like tomorrow. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So when, so Wednesday, No, I don't think so. I think a lot of these, I think a lot of the early games are like bubble type environments. um, So there, it could be beneficial. Just kind of get these ones out of the way. I know a lot of non-conference games have been that. I know the NCAA kind of uh, allowed the tournaments. Like there was no limit on tournament tournaments this year. I think you could only prior to this season, you could only play in two uh, during the regular season. And now it's just kind of unlimited to help everyone fill out their, their schedule, but we'll, we'll see. Basketball is going to be fun. If they get played, both teams are going to be great. It's very excited. And I think that's it. Stay healthy, be smart, wear a mask, wash your hands. Don't do anything stupid. We'll talk. We'll probably have a podcast next week, even though it's Thanksgiving. Uh, but we'll definitely have a podcast after, after this game uh, to prep us for UCF and Black Friday. Stay safe, and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.